Hey there, welcome back to the Path to Zion podcast, where we are rediscovering the ancient way. Thank you for tuning back in for the continuing series here. We thank you for watching. You can find us 24-7 at pathtozion.com or, of course, right here on YouTube. Consider subscribing, won't you? Um, and as I'm always saying, if you want to reach out to us and send us something to challenge what we're presenting, um, encourage us, correct us, that's fine. Pathdesignpodcast at gmail.com is the place to do it. We're thankful for every email that comes in. As I always say, without fail, I will read them the day they come in, and I try to respond by day's end um, the same day that we receive them. So thank you for those of you who watch the program, who listen over at pathdesign.com, and, and of course, to any of you who take the time to sit down and, and, and send us an email. Thank you for doing that. Um, we are continuing on. Festivals of Men or Feasts of the Lord, another biblical challenge to Christmas. And friend, I just want to, in case I'm getting too emotional in the end of part three, I don't know. Um, I want to be in self-control. I want to be calm. I want to talk like Yeshua would talk. Um, I don't always do that. If I'm getting too worked up, I apologize. This is very dear to me because I feel like the Father has given me something in my in the makeup of who I am to call people out to, as I said, back at part one, um, maybe you've not thought about this from this perspective and this angle. Can I please pose some questions that will make you think about it? And then what you do with that and the result that, that it brings about is up to you, friend. I'm not here to dictate what we should and shouldn't do. I'm on my own journey. You're on a journey. Um, my thing is, are we pursuing the heart of the Father and what pleases him first and foremost, because it's got to be about a, a living sacrifice reality of presenting to him what he requires and what brings him pleasure. And so that's our heart's posture here. Um, we, we ended up part three talking about the Goyim understanding and the Gentiles and um, how we cannot use the excuse of just going the ways of the nations. Um, we can, but but we miss out on the beauty of of the identifiable people of, of, of Yahweh Elohim, a, a called out, set apart people, the Greek understanding of the church, the ecclesia. Um, I heard a brother a year ago or more, just really, this brought worlds together for me. I had the ecclesia understanding for a long time. We came out of, of organized church 17 years ago. It's old news about church structure and authority and all these things that, that have been abused. doesn't make it all wrong. It's just been abused and misappropriated, of course. We've all probably seen that. But I understood the ecclesia, the body. It's, it's, a, it's a living organism made up of members, and we function together. I'm not saying I've mastered it, but I feel like I get that. Um, and then we came into Feast and Sabbath just two years ago, and a brother said, this is the people of, of God a called-out, holy, separate, consecrated people keeping his called-out, holy, separate, consecrated feasts. And my mind exploded. I thought, that is what I've been looking for. That's what Father has led us to. I remember looking at my wife. I'm like, that's it. I've known where the ecclesia. We were coming into the understanding by Father's leading and none of our own at the outset of our identity as his identifiable royal priesthood people all the way back to its inception. 
and my lights came on and I said, we've been in, in, in normal Christianity, we've been going the way of the Goyim, the Gentile nations. We've just been going our own way, doing our own traditions, our own doctrines, our own belief systems, our own opinions, doing the best that we can. But we've been given a prescribed way. We've been given specifics on how we can be the ecclesia. Oh my gosh, it was a revelation. And so we have to admit and repent and turn and stop going the ways of the nations. And I'm saying one of the ways of the nations is personified in the Christmas tradition because it is a festival of men. There's no arguing that Again, unless you want to go and only find Christianized versions of how a, a, a red bow on a package is synonymous with the blood of Jesus. I mean, you, you can make anything fit whatever you want. We can all do that to justify whatever we want to do. But we're trying to pursue the way, the capital W way, the way Yeshua carved out for us. And he only did what pleased the Father so we can walk as he walked. And he kept feasts. He kept Sabbath. He perfectly was the living Torah of his Father. He spoke only what the Father spoke and did what the Father did. So anything we see him do, we do. Anything he didn't do, don't do. The first post-Yeshua church, the Acts 2 church, feasts, Sabbath, gathered in the synagogues, taught what? The law and the prophets. Study to show yourself approved. What do you study? The law and the prophets. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying. We do not need to go the ways of the nations. Jeremiah chapter 10. Now, oddly enough, this is where this really stirred in me. And I remember I was working, I don't know, 10 days ago, polishing a car, and I'm just commuting with the Father. And um, I was listening to some stuff in my earbuds. And they start talking about Jeremiah 10. And they start talking about Christmas trees. And apparently there's this big debacle about how Jeremiah 10, a lot of people are saying that Jeremiah 10 speaks to Christmas trees and says, this is, this is proof, this is evidence, Christmas trees are idolatrous and pagan. There's a scripture for it. And so there are people who apparently use that to justify the, the eradication, if you will, of Christmas trees as idolatrous. Now... I don't subscribe to that, but but what it did was launch me into something that I want to explain, but let's read the text first. We're going to read several um, verses here out of Jeremiah and Deuteronomy. Jeremiah 10, first, hear the word, Yahweh speaks to you. House of Israel, here is what he says. Don't learn the ways of the goyim. Don't go the ways of the nations, the Gentiles. Also, don't be frightened by astrological signs even if the goyim are afraid of them. In other words, don't just don't be like them. Don't act like them. Don't learn their ways and don't do what they do. For the custom of these peoples are nothing. The customs, the traditions. They cut down a tree in the forest. A craftsman works it with his axe. They deck it with silver and gold. They fix it with hammer and nails so that it won't move. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber patch, it can't speak. It has to be carried because it can't walk. Don't be afraid of it. It can do nothing bad. Bad. Likewise, it is unable to do anything good. There's no one like you, Yahweh. You are great. Your name is great and mighty. 
Who would not fear you, king of the nations? It is your due. Since among all the wise of the nations and among all their royalty, there is no one like you. One and all, they are all boorish and stupid. The teaching of their nothings is simply a piece of wood. And so many people apparently are saying, you know, when they're confronting Christmas, this says they cut down a tree in the forest and they deck it out with silver and gold. It's a Christmas tree. And, you know, a brother I listened to who's quite wise, I believe, from what I can gather, said, well, can we just calm down and realize Christmas trees didn't exist um, in Jeremiah chapter 10. And so it's okay to just say, no, that's not what it's saying. Let's let's extrapolate the, the text a little bit better than that. And I would like to say, though, that this does fit what we're presenting, and it does fit the, the use of a Christmas tree in the sense of what it can be, just like we said earlier, because a tree in the forest is nothing. It's just a tree of creation that Yahweh spoke into existence, and it has reproduced itself via seeds for endless amounts of years to produce what is seen by our eyes as a grown, mature tree. It's not inherently bad, as we talked about episodes ago. But when it's cut down and fashioned and covered in gold and silver and placed within a house, it becomes idolatry. It becomes a problem in the eyes of Yahweh. And he's saying, don't be like the Goyim nations who do these things. So the greater evidence, if you will, of things such as Christmas traditions that this does point to, I believe, is saying, don't, it's, it's back at the beginning, don't learn the ways of the nations. Don't do what they do, live like them, celebrate what they celebrate, and live according to what they live according to, friend. If you're going to be my people, you don't do what the nations do. Deuteronomy chapter 18. 9 through 14, when you enter the land which Yahweh your Elohim is giving you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. Okay? Same premise, same thing. We could spend hours reading texts in the Word of God that, that speak to this. So when you enter the land that Yahweh, by the way, has given you, not that you just victoriously overtook, but that was given to you by His hand, don't imitate the detestable things that those people do. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, the soothsayer, one who interprets omens, a sorcerer, one who casts spells, a medium, spiritist, or one who consults the dead. Forever does these things is detestable to Yahweh. And because of these detestable things, Yahweh, your Elohim, is going to drive them out before you. Okay, so why did the people get driven out? ahead of Yahweh's people because of the detestable things, because of the ways of the nations, because of their vile traditions that were an abomination of his sight, he drove them out. Continuing in verse 14 of Deuteronomy 18, For these nations which you are going to dispossess, listen to soothsayers and diviners. But as for you, Yahweh your Elohim has not allowed you to do so. So in other words, he's saying... 
Don't go into a land and start doing what the people that I drove out before you were doing, or else you're just like them and I'll drive you out and you won't be my people either. I think that's a, an accurate summary of what Yahweh is saying. Now, we could go on to come back to the, the Christmas challenge. We could literally go on for, for multiple hours examining the endless list of ancient pagan origins of our Christian Christmas traditions. The, and there's so many, and I don't have, I'm not going to explain them, but just some. The intricacies of why poinsettia plant, plants are used for decorating. Christmas caroling. The hanging of mistletoe. Why in the world do you kiss someone under a chunk of mistletoe in your hallway? It's just fun, Joel. It's just fun. Stop being such a party pooper, right? I understand, as I've already alluded to. I know people don't care about many of these things and will argue until they're red in the face that it doesn't matter. I'm saying put this in light of these texts here. Please, not my opinion or yours. Our opinions mean nothing. But according to the warnings that we could read others of as well in the Word of God, from Yahweh himself out of his mouth to his set-apart people saying, if you're going to be my people, you do not learn and do the ways of the nations. And friends, I'm telling you, Christmas traditions are steeped to the sky with the ways of the nations at their inception. Our opinions mean nothing. We can justify anything to do something we deem innocent. Fruitcakes. I was coming across laundry lists of things like, well, I'm just, I'm just looking up stuff. Why this? And I don't go to Christian.com to find out a, an answer. Why do we do this? And they all coincide except for the Christian versions. Egyptians would bury cakes of fermented fruit along with their dead because they believed they were going to live on in the afterlife and they needed something to snack on, people. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Garlands. Trees in the center of your house with gifts underneath. The list of fascinating origins is literally endless. And equally idolatrous, the ways of the Goyim, the ways of the Gentile nations. Mixed, mixed, mixed. Now, am I saying because I've had fruitcake in my life that Yahweh looks at me and is ready to strike me with a bolt of lightning? Am I, am I saying that if you hang mistletoe from your hallway walkthrough or on your mantle that you are a hater of Yahweh's ways. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to be that hard. I could probably get us there via Scripture, but I'm not. my intention is not to say that. My intention is to say, can we heed Jeremiah 10 and Deuteronomy 18 alone and willingly admit, yeah, the festivals of men, Christian traditions, or Christmas traditions, rather, which are deemed Christian, They're the ways of the nations. They were sourced in, by definition, the ways of the nations <laughs> and how they worshipped other gods. There's no way around that. It's very, very mixed. And, of course, we've stamped baby Jesus on it, so we're good. 
There's a Christian cantata tonight. It's okay. But again, does any of this matter? Does any of it matter to you, to anyone? Like I taught on, uh, I was back in July. I don't know, June, July. All of the stuff that makes up this nation that is not godly, I believe it never has been. It's not a Christian nation. That's, of course, a little bit of a rub for many people, too. But when you look at all the, the, the governmental streets and buildings of Washington, D.C., and all of the idolatry everywhere, and how ancient pagan deities are painted where laws are written and passed for this nation and have been for hundreds of years, murals of in, and endless statues of pagan deities giving counsel to the founding fathers. <laughs> does that matter? Like I said all the time in that series, does that matter? Does it matter that they're going into the ancient texts of the oracles of Hammurabi who received all these divinations and 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 esoteric downloads from demons to insert governmental order that he is in the halls of the United States government buildings as a giver and bringer of wisdom right beside Moses and the Ten Commandments? Does that stuff matter? I would say it does. It's the ways of the nations. I think Yahweh detests it. So, as I said, we, we did Christmas about eight years ago last. Um, yet I... I, I I constantly run across Christian leaders, pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, so-called, that promote Christmas as acceptable. There's a laundry list of things that we could read about how they justify. Again, it even just it becomes silly when you start talking about like all the stuff about it's just hogwash. I mean, if you're going to tell me that Christmas is Christian because red ribbons are like the blood of Jesus, I just don't buy it. I, I I'm not four years old. But even in my recentness of looking through some things, I want both sides. I want to see both sides. I'm not just looking to justify my position. I want to know, first and foremost, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? And what in the world do people who have studied it more than I have, what have they arrived at? What do they see it saying? But what I read here is going to shift us into the Feast of the Lord part that is just beautiful. It's, it's, it's awesome. I, I, I believe that Holy Spirit led me to this because when I read this, everything made sense. And the writer, I'm not going to go into who it was, on his website, this, this Christian author, leader, he was proposing that we ignore the, the origins of Christmas. And we focus not on the bad stuff, of all the the traditions that we do and where they started. He didn't argue the point. He said, I know, it's pagan. I know that. But it's what we make of something. And he said this, quote, please listen to this, because this is, this is where we shift into what then? Because again, as I've said, I believe Yahweh created us, according to his word, to be a celebratory people. He gave us memorials, beautiful imagery of all that he's done, is doing, and will do. So this guy on this website said this, and I quote, If you removed everything from Christian observances, such as Christmas, that was in some way related to paganism and its origin, you wouldn't have much of anything 
left to celebrate. This is a profound statement, friends, that I believe takes a 10-foot spike and goes right through the center of what I'm trying to get across within this series. This individual said, again, quote, If you removed everything from Christian observance, such as Christmas, that was in some way related to paganism and its origin, you wouldn't have much of anything left to celebrate. Friend, do you hear that statement? I'm not okay with that. I, it's true. I'm not arguing the point. It's very true. That's the whole, that's the reason we're here. But I'm not okay with the response that Christian majority has, which is, so we might as well do it anyway. You can't get away from, from pagan idolatry and Christianity, so what do you do? No, we, we continue to root it out. We cry out what? What do we read? Psalms. Search me, know me, see if there's any wicked way in me, which is what? See if there's any ways of the nations in here, Father. Because if I'm walking in the, in the, in the ways of, of the nations and the traditions of men, which I know I am, Father, see if it's in there. And I present it to you and I want it out, right? I mean, that's the beauty of, of, of all these of the psalms and proverbs that we read and that we pray and that we hopefully cry out and mean, which is, search me and know me and see, paraphrase, see if you can tell me what I know is in there but don't presently see yet. You know it's there. When I'm ready for it to come out and be extracted from my life, Father, I'm, I'm constantly asking you to search me with the light of your Holy Spirit and your, your Holy Word. Through the action, the beautiful work of my Emmanuel, Mediator, Messiah, Suffering Servant, Yeshua. See if there's any wicked way in me. And when there is, because there is, show me and I will leave it behind so that I can have your ways. So I'm not okay with, with this statement is true. If you remove pagan origins from Christianity and Christmas, you won't have much of anything left to celebrate, but there is a response now. There is a, a counter to all the Christmas debacle. It's Yahweh's feasts. The feasts of the Lord. That's the answer. That is what is left for followers of Yeshua to celebrate. And that's why it's so grievous that we have abandoned it, walked away from it, said it's not for us. Like in the, in the little fictional story that I read, where the eldest son writes to his father and says, we're not coming anymore. We're not coming to your house anymore, Father. We love you. We're going to honor you. We're going to ascribe our thoughts, we could say worship, towards you. But we're not coming anymore because we're, we're starting a new tradition. We're replacing your, your set-apart, appointed times to gather with us and to speak to us your words with our own ways that were presented to us from people who aren't really like us, like I said in the story, but it sounds really good. It sounds okay. I know you warned us about it in your word, we could say now, talking spiritually, literally, but we're going to make it about you. 
So you'll be fine with it, I'm sure. You're okay. You love us. You love me. You so love the world that you sent your only son. That's why we have Christmas. That's what we're calling it, is Christmas. Christ mass. <laughs> but beginning with Leviticus chapter 23, there is an answer. There's an answer to what that man said that I think is right on. Because you can read what he said, and we've already said, I agree with it. I, I believe it's true. Christian traditions and Christian Christmas traditions are pagan at their source in many, many ways. New religion mindset. Divorce from Rabbi Yeshua, Jewish Jesus. He hated... He hated uh, Torah, right? He hated it because he told the Pharisees and Sadducees that they were whitewashed tombs and they kept Torah. So, yeah, he abolished it. It's gone. Well, he was saying that he hated their oral law that they added to Torah. And even in the New Testament, we see followers of Yeshua say, when they're seated in the seat of Moses, do what they say, but when they stand up and start talking their own way and their own traditions, ah, you're out. So we have to understand, who is this Messiah? And what was he delivering to humanity? Again, the lost sheep reality. He was purchasing a way. He's the way, the truth, the light. He's the the life, that he's the gate, he's the door into an identity change and an, an identity shift that moves us from not being a people to being a people, leaving the ways of the nations against God, idolatrous, rebellious, going their own way, doing their own traditions that their fathers handed to them. And now we, post-Yeshua, post-New Testament, post-Acts chapter 2, post-Holy Spirit falling at Pentecost, which of course already existed, which is why the people were even, get, even gathered there to begin with. The Feast of the Lord continued. Now, the Goyim people, the Gentile people, are now born again, regenerated, like Yeshua tried to explain to Nicodemus. What are you talking about going back into my mother's belly? no. You will now be a new creation, no longer your own. Purchased, bought with a price, and now you, friend, get to do what you could not do before, including the feasts of Yahweh Elohim. And I'm convinced, and I say this often because this is the revelation I had that's beautiful and I love it. And it helps the misunderstanding of this. We've been taught that the, the, the Christians of the early centuries post-Acts 2, just accepted Jesus like we do today, and they're just free. They're free. But that's not true in any way whatsoever. Those people, could they were on the outside. They were the people of the nations, the, the, the people outside of the people of God. They did not have the privilege, if you will, of knowing Father God, Yahweh Elohim, like his people, the Jews. They couldn't know him like that. They were outside of the bloodline. They, they were a whole different sect of people scattered about and lost. The bloodline thing, that's probably not an accurate explanation, but they, they were by, by culture, by lifestyle, by, by 
the actions of their life and how they how they lived and what they lived according to the traditions of men, they were on the outside of the people of Yahweh Elohim. And they were invited in via Yeshua, the, the prophesied Messiah who purchased them. And when they surrendered their life to him and he said, look, you got to leave everything. Leave it all and follow me. Drop every single thing and follow me. And when they did that, they were invited into being Yahweh set apart holy consecrated people that they could not be before, including keeping the feasts of the Lord. And I say often, I believe those people, the Gentiles who were invited in and accepted and received the gift of Yeshua Messiah, in turn in the heart of repentance to come to Father the way he said and prescribed, they said, are you kidding me? I get to do Sukkot, tabernacles? We get to do Passover? Me? Are you joking? I get to do Passover? <laughs> and those people who were taking them in and told them what? Start here. Start here in the heart of Torah. You know, when, when they're being, well, all these people are coming into the, to the body. What do we do with them? Take them to the heart of the Torah. Start them right there. Don't eat things. Don't, don't do these things. We don't have time for all this stuff. Start here and then move in to the rest incrementally like we do with people now. <laughs> and they're changed into Yahweh's people. <laughs> it's beautiful. And so that's what we've been invited into now. So when this gentleman says there's nothing left to celebrate in Christianity, especially Christmas that doesn't have pagan origins, that's not true. Now, there's not much left, yes, but there's a whole lot left in another way you could look at it. The feasts and the legitimate Seventh-day Sabbath, the Moedim reality of the invitation for the appointed times to meet with our Father now. He set times and said, I want to come down and meet with you. Friends, why in the world would we not want to come? Why would we want to go to the nations and do what they do and follow what they follow and celebrate what they celebrate when my father is saying, I want to come down and meet with my people? All you got to do is show up. And I've even told you when. I've even told you when. <laughs> so we're going to begin to move into that. Man, we're going to have to get to a conclusion. I've got pages left. I don't know. Watch it if you want to. What else is worthy of talking about? Nothing more than this, in my opinion. Next, we will get to Leviticus 23, talking about Yahweh's appointed feasts. And we're going to take this great thing of substance that we're going to lay out on the table, and we're going to put it beside the Christmas spirit, and the Christmas spirit is going to get blown to smithereens by comparison. <laughs> Because Yahweh's ways are perfect. His ways are right, and I want them above everything else. And it's going to cost me. Some things I have to give up like this. Ugh. Some things, here, take it. That's garbage, right? It's, it's, it's just all a matter of who we are, how we are, and how we choose to respond to what we see laid out and presented to us. There's no forcing of anything. We are a free will people. So I hope you choose wisely, friend. We're talking about the festivals of men or the feasts of the Lord, which is it going to be for us? It's yet to be determined for many of us. 
This is another biblical challenge to Christmas. I thank you for watching. This is the Path to Zion podcast. There's more to come. I don't know how long this series is going to be. Um, I pray that the Father speaks to all of us as we go through it. Thank you for watching. Amen.